Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I am just your typical Spike. Looking extra professional today, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. Dude, what is up? Professional and location. I mean, I'm wearing t-shirt and jeans and super casual by appearance. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. No, it's just like your, your environment speaks of professionalism. Mm, yeah. Um, I got to ask, so when you're you're at work, what's the watch of choice? Do you just, do oh. you still go with the Lilac? Yeah, we're we're going with we're we're going with the Tissot right now. Uh, if I'm actually working physical labor stuff, which happens with you know like recording video and everything, I I normally just suit up my cheap fossil that I got years ago, and that thing it will not die. It, whatever I do to it, it just will not die. Yeah, hey, uh, you could have bought a Timex like thirty, forty years ago. Let's I mean let's not get this yeah. twisted. <laughs> like I like a nice watch, but man. Somebody was like ma- made a mocking joke about a Casio, and I was like, "Hold on, sir, you respect a Casio, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I love my Casio data bank. It's the it's the Back to the Future watch. Um, dude, we have got a little bit of magic to talk about. You are in the like the 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 midst of your bus- busy professional season. So usually, for those of you who haven't listened very long, August is usually Cameron's bad time. Mm, February is mm-hmm ish is usually my personal bad time so we kind of are in that zone where you didn't play a ton this week what did you get your hands on dude i was able to on monday night play pioneer in paper so Ooh, you hey. know, like I, I i'm totally good with that uh and uh i mean there's nothing new i'm playing the blue white control list um you know i i have i keep on refining this and getting it to a much better place running three shark typhoons instead of two i'm running two portable holes instead of four um and you know it's just getting super close to i think being something that i would use i would use this deck in a tournament hands down but it's somewhere where like if next week gun to my head what is that 60 looking like this is getting really really close and i'm happy with what i'm playing with um, the shop's meta is interesting. There, there is like a blue red, uh, player that I lost against and blue red Phoenix and pioneer is still, we've talked about this before is so much better than the historic version solely because of like, you know, certain key cards, uh, that just make it <laughs> a, a better thing specifically thing in ice thing in the ice excuse me mm-hmm. uh, i find that card to be just really really good you have to deal with it um and if you don't hit a wrath um they're flipping it and away they go right so like that's really really good uh, the other thing at my shop is lots of mono red or red white a lot um and i mean that makes that's par for the course it's like one of the cheaper decks you can still be you can still get into um both i think the boros and the the mono red are fairly cheap um and they're just kind of everywhere and i, I my matchup is not bad like i mean i just wrath the board and you know use absorbs gain life and i'm normally fine it's more just how the play patterns of that are so straightforward and basic there's nothing kind of surprising it is just aggro right mm-hmm. so like 
I guess that's just like a mild, I guess, like complaint where it's like it's kind of vanilla. It's kind of stale on a Monday night to, you know, go to a card shop, play, and those are your matchups. So, I mean, I ended up going, it wasn't a huge tournament, um, 2 1, and then I won the last one. So we just split, and that's the way it went. So it, it was, it was good, but it was just a lot of mono red, mono red, white, mono red. Yeah, that's interesting. And, I would argue that mono red is actually kind of bad um, in Explorer. And there's there's a lot of things that don't necessarily carry over between what we're seeing in Pioneer. And some of that is because of cards. I would also argue because Arena, there's so many more reps. Certain things pop up a little bit more. Like, I don't know that anyone's ever expressed to me that Grinning Ignis dot deck is out there before Explorer hit MTG Arena. Now... Mm-hmm. Um, it might not be nearly as good, and that's true, but it's like that wasn't even on somebody's radar. You know, there are, there are things like this that pop up all the time. Like the infamous example is Death Shadow. That deck could have been together many years before it actually came together. There was no new set that caused it to be. People just kind of slowly came to that realization. Um, but Mono Red just just so much better <laughs> in Pioneer than it is in Explorer. Yeah, like. Eidolon makes a huge difference in that deck, um, but also Monastery Swift Spear. Uh, I'm interested, though, like, Spirits and Humans is also, like, a really commonplace deck that doesn't seem like it would be that expensive, um, but you don't see those decks? I There is a Spirits player out there. Uh, I have not seen them in a few weeks, I would say. So, I mean, like, it's there. And um, I want to say it, it's a it's a fine deck. You know, in, like, a local shop meta, I think you can take down some tournaments and it's going to be good. But uh, I don't know. Just if you're looking at it against, like, the cream of the crop decks, I just don't know if it's, if it's what you should be playing. Yeah, and, and the other thing I would say is, like, um, the deck that springs to mind is Mono Blue Tempo, which doesn't seem to exist in Pioneer, but in Explorer is like one mm-hmm. of the top tier decks. Um, it seems like, well, man, that would be pretty good. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I don't know what stops that from being any different, right? Um, but dude, I've been I've been paying so much attention to Pioneer and Slash Explorer. I want to throw some things past you because I played kind of a bunch of different Explorer decks this week. Um, I did try to put my money where my mouth is and play the Siege Rhino decks. Mm. So here's my experience with the Siege Rhino deck. I don't know what the point is in having the Siege Rhino. Now hear me out here. Because this got to the point where it was like number one in Goldfish's meta and all this. And like the version I found that was widely played and on Goldfish and at the top of these tournaments, literally Siege Rhino was the only white card. Or there would be some Vanishing Versus. Almost almost everything else about this deck is a green-black rock deck. And then it's like you're also playing Siege Rhino. Now, does that come in handy when you're trampling someone or need to make back up into the game? Sure. But it's like, I don't know that that's worth the extra color. You also gain some sideboard stuff like Rest in Peace. It's a really good sideboard card, etc. But I just found that green-black was a lot more consistent. But, dude... <sighs> The lack of these turn. Can I just be old man shaking my fist at the clouds for a second? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Some like, please use your discretion when you're looking at these decks as 
definitive list. If you are playing four tireless trackers and you aren't playing four fabled passages and you're a two-color deck or a three-color deck, you've built the deck wrong. <laughs> you have. You have. Like, you are just leaving equity on the table. And that really bothers me, Cameron. It's like, there is no rationale for having four tireless trackers. Like, if you're mono green and you have four tireless trackers, you should be playing four fabled passages. Like, this is just a yeah. really basic interaction. And so, there's just all these, like, little corners with some of these decks that just don't seem very good. I ran into this a lot with the Fires of Invention decks, too. It was like... There was a lot of weird one-of, fun-ofs and things that didn't seem to jive with what the purpose of the deck was. Um, but I just, I find green-black to be better. Still pretty not great against control. You have to get out way in front. You have to hit multiple discard spells to have a shot. What's weird is, and I don't know if you feel this way playing blue-white control, is this is the format the most where I feel like if blue-white is ahead past turn five they cannot lose mm, mm -hmm. like if if they if you have if you have spent your cards and they are still at 18 life and they have you know turn five or whatever it really doesn't matter what happens past that point thought seizes become kind of irrelevant yeah yeah and i don't know if that's just because of teferi plus wandering emperor plus all these other like things that's like you got to kind of catch them early or you're not going to catch them and control has not always been that way. Um, but I just found that to be the case. Now, there is a deck that I've tried that I've had the most uh, success with. Is a Transmogrify uh, Indomitable Creativity deck. I should say it's just Indomitable cre Creativity. But it's blue-red. It also plays Magma Opus Torrential Gearhulk combo. So you have kind of two axes. So it's ostensibly a blue-red control deck that you can combo off. Um but yeah, that's been that's been pretty good. So that's where I'm at on Explorer. I think you need to be doing something unfair. And if I'm being super honest, I think the Grinning Ignis deck is like a top end of tier two deck at this point. I don't know if you've had much experience with it so, against it. So much good success. Like I just keep <laughs> on asking myself how, why <laughs> I shouldn't be doing this well with a combo deck, but uh, it it's really good. <laughs> Like, the whole time you're telling yourself, this can't be actually that good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, there's it, on paper, it's like, oh, I have to have three things to really make this go off, but it happens more often than not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think it also is just because the super high-end aggro isn't there, and so you just kind of find yourself in this, like, if you're playing against another mid-range deck, you're in really good shape. Um a couple other things I've been playing this week that I want to talk about. So, Cameron, I don't know how much we've talked about this, but have you uh, played any of the Arena Cube ever or this time or any of it? Uh, no, I have not ever. And it's just something that I never, yeah, guilt, I, I feel guilty. I have not. <sighs> I'm just giving the Lord give me patience sigh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So last time around, there were some alchemy cards in the cube. And I thought, okay, I can stomach some of these. I, I think I shared on the show, I actually lost a round because I'd messed up All Runs Epiphany because I didn't know you didn't get the birds unless you foretold it in the previous 
like or after they've had altered it and all this and now they've gone from there's a few alchemy cards to there's a lot like a lot a lot in this cube Mm. and i first of all the learning curve becomes super steep if you've not played with these cards in alchemy or whatever limited format they created for it the Baldur's gate thing um but here's the other problem almost all these cards are way unbalanced crazy good and i mean the the wisdom i can't remember who said this online it's like if you see an alchemy card just take it. it because it's that much better the designs are so absurd and unfair and while i appreciate that it's freshening up the cube i guess it's just ridiculous it, like I don't like this format, and fine, hit me with these. this format is not for you. Fine, I won't play it. But please stop putting these cards in other formats that I don't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. Please stop automatically setting my settings to explore when I do an update. I'm sorry, alchemy. Like, all the time, it, it automatically throws me in alchemy or historic, which I do not want to play. Mm-hmm. I always have to go back in. Because somebody will play something like a Tarmogoyf, and I'm like, wait, what? What is going on? Yeah. Yeah. And it says last played and all this stuff, but somehow I end up in these these cues. Like, they're just continually pushing this. It's over. Like, I feel really confident in saying this. Like, it's it needs to be undone. Like, we could fix Historic here, guys. Like, Historic can be, like, the dream of what we want Legacy to be online. Yeah. And... It's a missed opportunity. Explorer's going to become Pioneer. That's sweet. I get that there's digital players. You could tell me, oh, there's plenty of people playing Historic. Go ahead. Be my guest. Look at the top Historic decks. Almost nobody's playing the Alchemy cards. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I hate that I'm earning Baldur's Gate cards whenever I earn, you know, my quests or whatever. Just, like, I I resent everything about it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, I just the chorus of it's not for you. It's like, well, do you want my feedback as a customer or not? Like, here it is. It's garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Please stop. It. Yeah. <laughs> Please stop. Okay? I spend so much money on your product. I'm a good and valued customer, I'd like to think. You guys do a lot of great stuff. Alchemy is not one of those things, right? Yep. I sent you the emoji and I just, it was the emo. I just sent you an animated GIF and it's somebody opening a closet door and saying, it's trash. That is how I feel. So, this is the first time I'm actually going on this show, like ever, I think, and saying, do not play the cube. Right? Do you even know what the specialized cards are, Cameron? No, nothing. So, there's a creature, okay? And then you can pitch a different color card or any color card or a land. And then it gives you five different versions of what that creature could do. So if you have a red creature and you pitch a black card, then it becomes a red-black card with different abilities or a red-blue card with different abilities. So you have to read so much text. Some of these things have a freaking scroll. Like, you got to scroll through the text. That is bad design. (laughs) Like, come on, guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So... My point is, if you got to have alchemy, could we please maybe, I don't know, just get rid of this freaking stuff in the cube? Or, hey, if you want to create one cube with alchemy cards and another cube without, you tell me. Let's look at the data. Who's mm-hmm. going to play more? What's going to be more popular with the players? Yeah. And now that I've been playing more in person, Cameron, 
still have yet to hear one single person in person say a positive thing about alchemy. Like it is, it is. Everyone complains about Chronicles being the bad guy back in the day and starting sure. the reserve list. Chronicles is like running for mayor compared to Alchemy, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, it's amazing the radio silence. You're right. Uh, nobody's talking about it. Like, uh, like other than just complaints, like us. Like that's all I ever hear about Alchemy. It's uh, it's incredible how toxic that product feels just like as a you know general magic player yeah and last thing i'll mention with that is like some of these cards i can't i don't even know what planeswalker it was but a dude like created a hamster token this might actually be a physical card i don't know if it's an alchemy card or not but it was certainly not a standard playable card Uh, so it might be a commander thing or what but he like created a a hamster token right made it a 4-4 trampler next turn sacked it to kill one of my guys and then drew four cards because you draw cards it was like okay (laughs) like is this a real magic card so like again cards like that that have just been so poorly designed and put together there are a paragraph of text but spoiler they're almost all good um Mm. it's just i don't know okay got that out of my system last thing i want to mention before we kind of get to other stuff is i did play in person this week cameron I went to a shop to play Limited, and they decided to mix up Modern Horizons 2 packs and Double Masters. So because there weren't eight of us, they had to do a sealed. So it was a $60 sealed. I got four packs of Modern Horizons 2, two packs of Double Masters. Okay? Now, we haven't talked about this a ton, but I'm like in the process of rebuilding my paper collection and kind of like trying to pinpoint the decks that I'm going to start acquiring over the next six months or something. And I think, sweet. I opened my first pack, dude. Full art borderless cavernous souls and a foil full art damnation. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That's awesome. And then I didn't open a single thing other than after that. Like, um, but I got back into, so, and I ended up playing three rounds, great games. I ended up taking the thing down, uh, and it was a ton of fun. Uh, but it was really cool being around these kind of, like, limited, all of these guys are kind of more like limited grinders, and just getting their perspective on the highs and lows of constructive magic, because they just don't really seem to care about that. Hmm. And it makes me wonder, like, would I have just been a happier person this whole time if I just played nothing but limited? <laughs> In some ways, yes, probably. <laughs> They're like, dang it. Um, <laughs> but I just to see something like Dragon Rage Channeler, like how it acts in Limited, um, had, was was a lot of fun. And this was like a very obviously high powered. Like I, I main deck Damnation. You know, like there were some really powerful things going on, but it made me miss that stuff quite a bit. What's interesting is because they're limited grinders, the idea of even trading cards to them was like completely foreign, like no, hmm. you know? And now I'm in the process of like trying to sort out like this cavern of souls. Do I just hold on to it for six months and then try to sell it? You know, like Double Masters came out, I guess a couple weeks ago. So, or maybe like a month ago. So if it's like at its theoretic low right now, sure, but I need yeah. new cards. And so it's like, do I do card sphere? Do I do eBay? Do I just try and Ugh. sell it at a store? Like, yeah. Because I'm not going to play a deck that plays Cavernous Souls, I think. So, anyway, it's tough. I want to ask you this. 
modern-wise. Do I just bite the bullet and just start tucking away for Ragavans? Is this like the life that I'm going to live if I have to play modern? I, I have no indication. I mean, I don't talk to enough modern players to find out if Ragavan... It, it seems like it's not too powerful for modern. It's just what it is. I still just cringe at the idea of the card for what it represents. And so you buying that, I would tell you no, but it's probably the right thing to do if you're actually going to be playing modern. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to stew. Yeah, I know. I think yeah. I'm going to stew on that one for like a year. Because again, uh, the local shop next to me, their Pioneer apparently has like seven to 10 people. Their FNM has now hit six to eight people. So... So so here's a question. How long did it take for them to reprint things from Modern Masters 1? Was that like three years? Yeah, but some of them didn't get reprinted. Yeah, some That's didn't. Yeah. So you have even no guarantee that Ragavans will get reprinted. I don't know, man. It just seems so... I, I, bad advice all the wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I'm definitely Mr. I view, I view decks as a, okay, this is money that's gone. And then if I happen to win it back, and that's what again the 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 leveraging of modern tends to be tough. Uh, however, most of the qualifying level tournaments in my region are still modern, and Storm, as much as it pains me, isn't getting the job done on that front. But like, if I want to play Death Shadow, that plays Ragavans. If I want to play Murktide, that plays Ragavans. And if I want the cheap out to modern right now, that's like Mono Green Tron, which I think is like eight hundred bucks. It's cheap, yeah. And uh, other than that, I guess I guess probably mono white or burn is probably not that expensive, but I also want to enjoy myself. <laughs> uh, I Cameron, I can't even begin to tell you how unfun I would have, like how not fun I would have playing burn at a modern event. So, it just oh, no. Oh sweet, you have timely reinforcements. My tournament's over. This is great. Um. All right, dude. Well, hey, let's get out of this segment, come back, talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron, kind of a, a mixed bag of just reviewing some of the things that we've been talking about on our last segment. Um, I did finish Sandman last night. Did you? The whole season? Yes. Okay. Where are you at on yours? Uh, I am about midway through it. I think we just finished episode five. Um, so he just, uh, had his battle with, with Lucifer, uh, which I guess I want to speak about that episode specifically. Cause that's like one of these episodes where, man, I feel like something is lost without it being a comic. Uh, yep. <laughs> because like, I just remember that battle in, in the comic. I, it, you know, it's just so visually engaging and like, what they're doing, I felt like I understand and I understood in the context of the comic and it just felt like they were talking at each other in the show. And that's kind of, uh, I guess, my criticism of the whole thing is like, it's good, it's visually interesting, but there's something missing. Yeah, um, it's been really interesting to experience this. My teenage daughter has been watching it with us, which is a little, I mean, we're talking about the show is very rated M. Mm-hmm. Um, or MA or whatever the TV ratings are. And because of that, 
there's a lot of discussion to be had. I know you haven't, like you've read the story, so you haven't gone and gotten to the diner episode, for example, where some of the more graphic stuff is. Um, it, it is hard because I do feel like, in general, they're doing the story justice. It's just that same thing, and I feel this with Game of Thrones as well. Once you kind of have, because a show has to have a like consistent tone throughout. Yeah. Right. Any like one of the things about film and TV as a medium is tone really matters a lot. And if it goes too far, like from one way to the other, it can really, really affect things where comic books, I think, are really great at like literally one moment can be silly. One moment can be incredibly serious and it just carries over. And the Game of Thrones, I when Daenerys conquers certain places in that, in the books, those were huge moments. Like, really felt like a big deal. And then the TV show, because of tone and budget and all these things, it's like, <laughs> oh, she's there against a mad painting. That's fantastic. And there's a lot of that vibe in Sandman of like, okay, we're up against a mad painting and we're talking about some things. And it loses kind of the depth and the danger and the intrigue. And... All those things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, it's better than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, and there's some other tonality things that come up later that I think you'll be really interested in. How's your wife enjoying all of it? So she's enjoying it a lot more than I am, actually. Uh, really? I, yeah, it's interesting. And she's not familiar with the content, but, you know, but wikipedia has become her best friend where i think she's reading certain things about lucifer in the context of the comic or constantine she's like this is really cool i'm like just read the comic (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the exact conversation i'm having with my daughter yeah i not so subtly put preludes and nocturnes on her desk in her room (laughs) um and you know she's like when did you read this and i was like like late elementary, because <laughs> my parents assumed that every comic book was fine for me. Yeah, for kids. And yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it's really something. So again, kind of a medium. But you also got to watch Prey. Yes. Um, did you watch it in uh, Comanche or did you watch it in English? How did I that go? I watched it in English. Um, I couldn't find where the that version was, or if it, I, I, anyway, we watched it in English. It was great. Um, like you, the action in that, like it just having some of those shots where it's just locked down and you see everything and you feel the exhaustion of those actors. It goes along, like it, there's one sequence that I really, really appreciate. It had nothing to do with a predator, even. It was just, but the sequence was just really, really well paced. Um, and when you compare that to something like uh, The Gray Man, which is just like cut after cut of like weird fake CGI battle stuff. Uh, it was it was re- I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, and I you know like okay, we live in a world where they're going to continue to make Predator movies. Like that's just the world that we live in. Um, and if we, I I enjoyed the conceit. I guess as as far as like making it a prequel in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It just it worked really well for me. So anyway, uh, two big thumbs up for me. I really enjoyed Prey. It feels like a one-off Dark Horse comic when like 
they had all these licenses for like Predator and Alien, and they're like, <laughs> they could go a little more hog wild with it than the t- like a, a a film could. Yeah, it's like, hey, what if we set a Predator in seventeen twenty? Like, what you know? <laughs> um, and I wish that was the kind of risk they would be content to take with Star Wars from time to time. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm hopeful that I'm hopeful that Andor is that a little bit. Um, because that trailer, dude, you know, I'm a rogue one guy and, uh, that trailer really like, I know everybody's marveled out and they're, they're star Wars out. The Andor trailer got me more excited for a star Wars property than anything has in yeah. a long time, probably since episode nine's trailer, which didn't live up, unfortunately. Um, and then I loved the new black Panther trailer. I thought that was some stellar stellar work i'm really excited for that and kind of what goes on there um so yeah again maybe i'm just the biggest mark for this stuff and it doesn't matter and you should never listen to what curtis has to say about marvel stuff but um, (laughs) it's gonna it's gonna happen no matter what and so just have a good time i don't know like that andor trailer i have just concur like where obi-wan always there's always just like a hint of like cheapness to everything it just kind of felt like a tv show not a criticism it just that's what it looked like uh man this looks every bit as good as the the movie which i was really shocked by yeah and i think there's a there's an impetus when you're in that era of star wars stuff meaning from the like that original film era you're kind of incentivized to do more practical work whereas like the things from obi-wan like well the prequels were largely cgi backgrounds so why not do that some more and you'll match the tone and all that. Sure. I think if you if you went full CGI with Handor, it would kind of be like, man, I don't I don't know. So Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all these things I'm pretty excited about. Last thing I'll mention, Hollow Knight gets better as it goes, man. Holy cow. That game is good. That's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> anyway, Cameron, if someone would like to get at you and talk to you about uh Star Wars trailers, where could they find you? <laughs> That's all on Twitter at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm Matt Curtis now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We'll check you guys next week.